Hello and welcome to Stuff They Should Have Taught You in School. And I am your host, uh, Mr. Monsui. Now today is a very, very special episode indeed. Um, but before before we get into it, I just want to say thank you to all listeners and subscribers all over the world. And um, also a quick disclosure that these episodes are done in one take, which means that there may be some occasional long pauses or arms or anything like that. But anyway, we have today with us um, a guy who actually reached out to me from the other side of the world. His name is Sari Ibrahim. So I'll let you take it away. Do you want to introduce yourself and introduce yeah. your podcast as well? Yeah. Hey, Manish, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, it's nice to see you for the second time uh, across the, the pond, as they call it. I'm in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm the host of a show called Thinking Like a Bank. It's a podcast. We, we started it in March of 2021. And the point of the podcast was to uh, convey like strategies and principles that that banks use since it's called thinking like a bank and a little bit about my background i'm a financial planner slash financial coach um, in chicago and i help and manage uh, clients accounts in all 50 states and sometimes in canada i haven't really done anything in, in europe yet any business i i don't know if i can because of licensing issues and you know regulations especially in europe of course um, which is even more than the U.S. and Canada, more restricted, but for the most part, just in the U.S. But I, I have done podcasts internationally to kind of spread more awareness about the principles we use since they are unconventional or not so average um, uh, financial strategies, just like your podcast, things, you know, they, we, we wish they would have taught us in school. So that's kind of like, you know, my background and, and kind of the point of the show and, and also the point of why I wanted to be on your show today to talk about, you know, some of these intricate or interesting um, strategies and principles to share with the audience okay great thanks for that so this episode will actually be posted to both of our podcasts so i'll do a quick introduction on myself for your listeners so my name is monsui i am i have the podcast stuff they should have taught you in school that's fairly self-explanatory school doesn't teach us a lot and um, especially things that you actually need for adulting Uh, They kind of just throw you out into the world. So my aim is essentially just to help as many people as I can get better education on things they actually need in life. Um, My background is in uh, real estate and property development, Mm -hmm. property development and property management and commercial property as well. Uh, And I'm also a qualified accountant as well. Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of background in the hospitality industry, but it's mainly just property and accountancy. So anyway, onwards, we will start this episode. Today's topic is all about how to grow wealth over time. And we're not just talking about growing wealth, we're talking about how to grow it and keep it, how to essentially grow wealth sustainably over time. Because what we see um, is that, generally speaking, anyone who's won the lottery, most people who win the lottery or um, get a decent inheritance, they just blow it, don't they? So why do you think that might be? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Most people, I think it's about uh, recent stats that I saw on like CNBC, um, 80% of of people who end up getting a large windfall, like either through a lottery, inheritance, life insurance, um, uh, beneficiary, um, or some sort of settlement, some sort of legal settlement, where it's just a large amount of money, um, 80% of people end up spending all of it 
like in 12 months and then actually end up in even a worse financial situation yeah. from when they got that windfall. And the reason why is I can, I guess there's many reasons, but I think like one reason is because people don't know, people can't handle the emotional um, euphoria behind that much money. They just need to spend it all. They have like this desire, you know, nice car, nice home, nice things, you know? Um, and then number two, um, I guess which connects to number one is that they just didn't have a plan in place to duplicate that money to grow it most people don't think about money that way they think about they work they they have hourly wages or salaries and they earn that income and then they spend it they don't necessarily think that that money could make more money with that money you can plant that somewhere water it and then grow it over time exactly and use that money over and over again compound a very few percentage of people know that and i guess i think that's where the 80 percent comes in so 80 percent where people would spend all the money within like a year and then 20 percent mm. would be like you know what i'm gonna triple or quadruple this money over my lifetime and then leave it for the next generation and have it quadruple you know over their generation and so on yeah it sounds a little bit like the um 80 20 principle i don't know if you've <laughs> heard of that right of course yeah um which i'll probably do another episode on but uh <laughs> anyway i was gonna say as well yeah it's exactly that and i think that people uh they can't manage what they have already so yeah. how do you expect for someone who's only got a grand they can't manage a grand yeah yeah to give them a million pounds <laughs> they're just not going to be able to manage that are they and yeah, that's the thing yeah. this is the whole point we need that education we need that financial literacy so that people are better well more well equipped sorry to go out into the world and i think i don't know if you've heard that story about shaquille um the basketball player who had mm -hmm. i think he spent a million pounds his first million pound in 24 hours or something and actually <laughs> what you see is that most people yeah when they win the lottery they spend more than what they actually have and they end up in a worse financial position exactly how you said by that we mean essentially uh you know say they were only 500 quid in debt before and now they won the lottery won a million pound million dollars whatever uh now they're 20 grand in debt 20 twenty thousand dollars or twenty thousand pound in debt mm -hmm. i think you touched on another good point actually um which is sort of why we actually want to do this and um you touch on a point why why we want to grow our wealth over time why do we need to do that yeah rather yeah. than just save our money and um and there is a difference between just saving it and you know putting it aside rather than investing it and letting it grow over time and you touched on a point about talking about exchanging time for money mm -hmm. and really what we see here is that generally speaking in most jobs we exchange um the money that you receive is directly proportional to the time you put in so the more time you put in the more money you get out mm -hmm. but the problem with that obviously is when you hit retirement you're not putting any time in whether you're you know physically not able or after 40 odd years of working you should be able to retire right but um yeah once you hit retirement then you've essentially that money tap <laughs> is turned off yeah yeah exactly yeah like you said the money tap is turned off and you need a way to keep it moving and you need a way so that your income keeps coming in even when you stop working and some people actually believe it or not some people actually figure this out earlier than other people for most people it's kind of like um an assumption where you have to work until in the states usually it's until 65 or 70 years old and then yeah. you can start getting you know uh 10 or twenty thousand dollars a month in passive income but you had to work and you had to earn you had to build up numerous sources of of, of income to be able to earn that and then for other people they actually figure it out a lot earlier they figure it out you know by the time they're 40 or 45 years old 
where they could just have like passive income coming in without doing any work, maybe just checking on some of their investments, but very minimal work. And that's all done through passive. And I guess um, everybody at some point is going to have to figure out a way to plant some passive income, whether you want it to be at 40 or 45 or 60 or age 70. There has to be uh, the, the knowledge of that and also the, the, the reason why that's important. Um, for a lot of people, you know, like you said, physically, we're not going to always be able to work. We have to kind of have a way that there's passive growth there and passive income. And then also, you know, not to be uh, negative or dismal, but also like, you know, something could happen to you. You could pass away, you know, who's, how are you, how's your family going to be taken care of? You could also, you're actually more likely to be disabled than dying prematurely. So you have, you have to think of a way of what if something were to happen to you where you got like a disability or something, and then how are you going to keep making money? And yeah, there are, you know, insurance programs and government programs. And I think it's a little bit different in different countries, but at the same time, it's not good. I don't think it's going to be enough to make yourself whole. So you need a way to grow wealth over time. That's one need. And then also, of course, with inflation too. So you have to, you have to kind of trade yeah, your exactly. dollars or your pounds for things or objects that, that inflate over time, that grow in value because inflation, right? In basic sense is when things go up. So if you have dollars sitting in the bank account and then everything else is going up, the value of that dollar goes down, the buying power goes down. But if you are able to exchange those dollars for assets that when inflation goes up, the value of those things go up too, like real estate, life insurance, exactly. other things like that, the values of those things go up over time then you could leverage those in the future. So I think that there's, there's a need to be able to move your money from the bank and into places that increase in value over time. Naturally, you don't have to do anything to just because of the way that the economies work and societies work, things get more expensive. Yeah, 100%. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. But I just want to repeat exactly what you said for our listeners. I think this is a really key piece of information is that if mm -hmm. when you have a dollar in the bank, mm -hmm. today you can buy, I don't know, a bottle of Coke yeah yeah in 10 years time that probably won't even you know today say you could buy a liter bottle of coke for a pound yeah. or a dollar which you can't but <laughs> but anyway just for example for, for a uh, you know argument's sake yeah, yeah say you could buy one liter of coke for one dollar mm -hmm. in 10 years time you'll probably only be able to buy what 500 ml so half that for mm -hmm. the same price so this shows exactly so if you were to save your money all the time then essentially in 10 20 30 years time the money you save today can is only really worth half mm -hmm. that's why we need to tie it to something invest it uh, to tie it to something that actually increases over time as does everything else all the milk yeah. and coke and bread whatever precisely true exactly yeah you and the other to... point you said was um Sorry, the other point you said was also that the pensions, well, in this country, we have a pension in, I think in the US, you had a 401k and yeah. Roth, IRA, Roth IRA, is it called? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So simply is that even if you're making like proper good money from a young age for 40, 50 years, it's still just not enough. It's still just not enough to you know survive on and then if you had any sort of like car maintenance or unfortunately you know someone passed away you have to pay for a funeral yeah yeah it you know it just that money just doesn't stretch far enough mm -hmm. exactly i agree and and i want to make one distinction is that there's a difference between a pension and like a retirement account and they could be the same thing but uh, in the states we used to have a lot of pensions a lot of people used to work for um public organizations and private organizations private businesses and there used to be pensions but the different the, the reason why a lot of companies stopped in the states they stopped and um and government agencies actually stopped 
funding pensions is because pensions ha- are are guaranteed. They're um, they're guaranteed. They're almost like insurance products, privately owned insurance products. So, for example, um, one company will have an agreement with an insurance company. That insurance company will customize a pension for them. And then, as the uh, employees are paying into this insurance product, that co- insurance company is gearing the, the insurance company alongside the company both are guaranteeing a future income through the annuity. So they'll say, for example, if you paid into it every year, every month, um, when the, by the time you're 65 years old, we'll guarantee you, you know, right, okay. $5,000 per month plus like a 3% increase over time. And that's a contract. And that is not dependent on market fluctuations. It's not dependent on market uh, company performance. And that's how it is a lot of, a lot of times with pensions around the world. Um, but in, in the States that obviously got way too expensive for companies to guarantee uh, annuity mm. payments in the future so they replaced it with 401ks and a 401k the difference is is number one it's an investment vehicle it's a pre-tax investment vehicle so you're paying into it every month every year you're pu- putting into a pile of cash that pile of cash is being invested in the stock market and then when you go take that money out in the later years you could you take it out usually as like a um, a stream of income like five or six or seven thousand dollars a month depending on how much is in there and depending on how long you want it for but the problem is the 401k is not guaranteed, number one. So market conditions could ha- impact the 401k. And in 2008, with the market crash, a lot of people lost like 50%, at least 50% of the value of the 401k. So there was a significant drop in that, which affected obviously people's retirement. And then also the tax difference too. So as you're paying into it, you're getting a tax deferred, like a, a tax deduction uh, short term. And then when you take that money out in the later years, you're taxed on that. So then, yeah, now same, future, same in the UK. Yeah. Okay. So now people have this future tax liability. So I guess P I think I wish there were still more pensions around. Um, but now they're replaced with 401ks, which could be good in some situations, but there's also risk involved uh, with them. Yeah. I think it's, it's more down now. It's sort of going a little bit more down to the individual to sort this out. And obviously we're mm-hmm. not taught about this. So how do you expect anyone, unless your parents and, you know, if your parents did teach you this, you're incredibly yeah. lucky. Um, but unless your parents taught you this or, you know, a mate of yours taught you this, you wouldn't know. And actually in this country, they've recently changed it. I think a year or two years ago that every single employer automatically enrolls someone into a pension scheme. Mm-hmm. Whereas before the employee would have to say, look, boss, can I have a pension? But now it's just, you know, everyone just gets into the pension and if they want yeah. to come out, then they can opt out. And mm-hmm. the other thing you you noted, you were saying was like, you know, the value of it. What happens right now, we're in these COVID times and the market pretty much crashed. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens if you wanted to retire during that time? That's exactly why well, I guess the big companies out there, the greedy people out there, they didn't want to be paying that regular income guaranteed, uh, especially for, you know, unfor foreseen circumstances like these and also i think uh one other thing you were saying earlier a bit rewind a little bit is that you were saying you know some people realize this earlier and then you can sort of retire earlier and that's Mm -hmm. the thing is that if you are listening to this now and you're young you know between maybe 20 and 40 i would say you're still fairly young if you start to realize what's actually going on and you can put in place a good plan of action to essentially have your retirement earlier and not it's not just retirement it's more about it's freedom of time because again it comes back to that point where normally we're exchanging time for money so one hour gives us x amount of dollars or pounds but as soon as we move into passive income then 
one hour actually pays you over time again and again and again and again and it might take a little bit of time just to keep it going but uh for the most part it's you know relatively relatively passive compared to like going to you know a job so that's a little bit about uh why we actually want to grow our wealth over time rather than just saving it so you know just to briefly recap is that we've got the value of money decreases over time due to inflation we don't want to be exchanging our money for time all the time because when we retire that tap is essentially turned off and we mm-hmm. want to have some sort of freedom if we can before retirement age 65 70 don't you want to enjoy the money earlier i know mm-hmm. i do i want to enjoy you know lie on the beach <laughs> when i'm 40 years old 50 years old rather than still working but so that's the first step is like is you know that awareness mm-hmm. and by listening to these podcasts right now you're incredibly fortunate because not a lot of people realize this and in this day and age you're just so lucky that we have you can listen to people from all over the world from all different backgrounds that can share little yeah. golden nuggets whereas before how would you how would you find that information without podcasts and the internet and youtube you just have to rely on other yeah. people telling you word of mouth or if you want to go knee deep into the library every day then <laughs> <laughs> or you would have to get a degree maybe you'd have to get a degree in finance and even then that's not really that informative because you're just yeah. following a university set you know you know from you know from college you're just following like a set of like uh guidelines yeah. that the professors have to follow and the university has to follow you're not really thinking outside the box and you know that's the best thing about social media and linkedin and podcasts and youtube there's so many free content out there that you could just you know spend some exactly. self discipline and and even with even with even with the lack of self all these audience want to figure out through like mastermind podcasts and, sorry you were uh, breaking up a lot you know, there i think oh. um i think it might be my internet um can you hear me all right yeah i can hear you yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i all i heard was self-discipline and then discipline went on for about five minutes uh so sorry for the listeners out there um i don't know if you guys heard that glitch but do you mind repeating what you just said just around what you were saying about self-discipline yeah so um even with so it requires self-discipline the discipline right to you know make the time to um understand like these con to listen to podcasts listen to youtube it's almost like if you had homework to do you would break it down into you know days and, and mm. weeks to learn something um, so it requires self-discipline to learn this free content. But even nowadays, we've become so advanced in technology that it could even you could even touch the people who have very little self-discipline, like through audio audio books and through um, you know podcasts where you're, while you're driving, while you're walking, while you're working. Exactly. Out. So, so there's so many. The content is so reachable that there's really no excuse not to reach the content. But then it's also a bit of a sort of paralysis by an or sort of one mm-hmm. of those situations oh, yeah. isn't it because there's so much information out there it's like where do you start what's right what's wrong yep and um one of the key points that i always teach or i try to get across in my podcast is essentially that you need to look at 
any situation and realize that that situation is not how it has to be and that you can go and find the answers yourself so long as you ask the right questions and just by thinking mm-hmm. okay how do i do this like for example when i had my i had my first car i had a lot of problems with that i basically turned me into a mechanic i would have never known how to do all this stuff <laughs> uh, you laugh but it's serious me i literally had to do i had to do airbags without getting into it airbags ignition barrel like coolant system everything all sensors here there all this crap I even even went to Volkswagen themselves and they basically told me the car was fucked. They were like, yeah, right off. <laughs> Mate, I fixed that problem for about less than five pounds. Wow. I know. But, you know, that's the thing is that if you're determined to find the solution to the problem, you will. If you try and ask the right questions and you don't give up, you start speaking to different people like, you know, I have a friend of mine who for, I think for about two years, um, everyone around him solicitors accountants his parents his parents mates he was about 20 years old at the time everyone around him was telling him no you can't do x and me i tell you he done x and now he's absolutely killing it with uh with the, with the mullet with the with the moolah in it oh, yeah, um yeah. but anyway i was going to say this point about self-discipline i think it also this is another good point that's slightly off topic but i think it's it would be useful for everyone to hear is that this whole point of um essentially sacrificing something now mm-hmm. for better returns in the future absolutely yeah and it's called delayed gratification i think that every single successful person uses this because we essentially what we're doing here how to grow wealth over time and grow wealth sustainably over time is sacrificing a little bit of money now to have that better life in the future so it's delayed gratification but anyway, Absolutely. let's. I think we should get back. You should get on to the real juicy part of this episode, which is how do we actually grow our wealth over time? So we have to first of all understand. I think that the biggest. Uh, I think who was it that called it the eighth wonder? Um, compound oh, interest. Uh, Albert course. Einstein. There we go. Of course, compound interest. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically, what this means is that money essentially attracts more money. Mm-hmm. it earns money on itself and then the interest on that money earns money mm-hmm. so you know like a hundred pound after a year say you now have 110 pound now you're earning that same interest rate on the whole amount rather than just the original 100 pound yeah. and then yeah, when yeah. you see this in a graph it basically over time it's exponential so this is why the sooner you can start saving for uh, and trying to grow your wealth over time and using compound interest to your advantage, the sooner you will get your, your money up. And for those of you who don't know, an exponential graph sort of just goes like this. It's like a hockey stick. And then it just yeah. shoots up. So it's very slow at the beginning, very slow, very slow. And then it starts going up and then it literally just shoots up. It's, it's like um, the saying like, if I give you one penny today at the beginning of the month, and yeah. then tomorrow I give you two pennies, and then two pennies turns into four, and then eight. By the time you're done with the, the 31st day of the month, I think it's like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like $5.8 million. Yeah, like some ridiculous point. amount. <laughs> yeah, because the compound, you're right, it goes yeah. like you know, pennies, and then all of a sudden, you know, multi-million. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, there's that common question is like, would you rather have a, um, a penny that doubles every day? Yeah. Uh, for 30 days or would you have a yeah. million pound right now the correct answer is to have 
or the yeah. answer they'll give you more money is to have the penny that doubles every day and it's just exactly the same thing as like the um, yeah. the lily pad uh, analogy where um, you know on day one the lily pads I don't know say it covers a hundredth of the, of the pond mm-hmm. on day 30 it's covered the whole pond mm-hmm. um, so on day 29 it would have only covered half the, so it's taken it's 29 days to cover half the pond but then from there, only one day to do exactly the same thing. So I think that that sort of gets the point across that once you start compounding, that it takes a lot less time to grow a lot more money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the same is true with paying debt too. So a lot of people are super focused on paying low interest debt. Like for example, you know, uh, credit cards, auto, auto loans, mortgages, student debt, like People are so focused on keeping it under like 5%. And even the gurus out there say, you know, keep interest rates low, like 3%, mm. 4%, 5%. But believe it or not, that's not the problem with paying interest. It's not the interest rate. It's the volume of paying interest. It's how many times are you paying it yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah. In the US, on average, one third of our money goes to service debt. So somebody who makes $100,000 a year, on average, $33,000 is going just to service the debt. Because the lenders know that it's not the interest rate that matters. It's how many times they're paying over and over and over again. Again, it's compound interest being gained by the lenders and the financial institutions. So So it works both ways. It works both ways. So when you save, you get the benefit. But when you're paying interest, the other side, the bank gets the benefit. Why do you want to give them the benefit? You should have that money yourself. And um, this is what, when I went to America, I realized that uh everything is on finance isn't it yeah and they really push it on you they're really like yeah okay it's all this keeping up with the joneses like okay i see my neighbor next door has got a new merc okay i need to get that on finance okay there's another 500 500 dollars a month and this on Mm -hmm. finance and that on finance and the worst is obviously credit card debt which is just ridiculous but uh, yeah from us yeah not all debt is bad exactly um, yeah and i think that that is this is again the whole point of of my show is that people are not taught this in school we need to understand how to use debt now okay we can use it like anything it's like you know if you you can use it in a good way too much of it might be bad too much too little of it might be bad it's a balance mm-hmm. absolutely yeah um it, it goes back to that saying albert einstein saying you know he who understands interest earns it who he who doesn't uh, pays it yeah. um you need to you know kind of understand how money works from a basic standpoint and then understand like what side you want to be on which side of the table you want to be on Do you exactly be and this compounded? is yeah this is exactly why the average joe that gets the lottery money just disappears like that because they don't yeah. they just don't understand how to manage money how they don't know the principles of it and it's really not that hard it's really quite <laughs> simple and i tell yeah. you i'll tell you something for nothing that really the a lot of it comes down to don't spend more than what you earn mm-hmm. save and invest the difference if you do that and i'll say that again don't spend more than what you earn yeah so you want to earn more than what you spend and then mm-hmm. the difference save and invest that if you do that over time anyone the average person can do this if you do that over time you will grow well and you will grow it sustainably just don't spend that money you're saving and, you know, you might say to me, Monsui, 
yeah. where am I going to get this money? I spend too much and this crap and that crap. Okay. But what you really need to do is just learn how to manage your budget better, right? You just need to learn how to reduce your expenses, stop driving around in Benzes, <laughs> drive a Honda. Hondas are good and they're nice and reliable as well. So, mm-hmm. um, or increase the income. So that may be from, you know, taking on uh, another job, asking for a pay rise. Reducing expenses is probably the easiest thing you can do. Don't have to buy, you know, all the brands all the time. Anyone can do this. You can literally look through your bank statement. And I've done episodes on this before, so we won't dwell on it too much. But the basic, the basis is there that we put money aside at regular intervals, usually monthly, because most people are paid monthly. And then part of that money we want to put into an emergency fund. So say your boiler breaks, your car breaks, that so you don't have to take credit card debt <laughs> on to do that or a personal loan, which is obviously decreasing your wealth over time. And uh, it's acting against that compound interest that you want to work for you. Exactly what Zari was saying earlier. And then um, when you want to invest the money, you want to invest in things that essentially go up with inflation over time. So the value of your money is not going down over time your value of your money is staying at least with inflation <laughs> now what i do is i go one better and i get stuff that goes even more than inflation but the basis is there that at least hit inflation and you'll probably be all right <laughs> and obviously we can see like what what can this act, why why would we want to do this well, obviously, you know, we said provide for your retirement, free up your time, help you become financially independent. By that, we mean essentially that you are not reliant on someone else for your milk and bread. You're not reliant on someone else to have their money coming in. You're not reliant on someone else isn't essentially feeding you. When I go to work, yeah. if I don't work, I don't get fed. Yeah, And exactly. I'm relying on them to give me that job if he turns around and says listen Monsui you know what don't like your beard anymore you're fired <laughs> yeah. well, there you go but you know you start investing for yourself you have that control yourself and then at some point when your boss may be a prick or whatever you can <laughs> say you know what I don't need the stress I don't need to work 12 hour days or I've done you know I've done up to 16 hour shifts sometimes in, in one of my jobs and you know you could just say look I don't need that I've got the money there I can go why you have the time and this is the, also with the emergency fund as well is that then you don't you know who frees you up a little bit mm-hmm. and of course lastly there's so many other things that it can do for you building wealth over time but one of the most important things I think that is probably close to everyone's heart is to provide for your family Mm-hmm. And that if you stop working, so you are the, the money maker in the house, if you stop working, then your family still eats. Now, in this country, in the UK, yeah. we are just so lucky. We we have it literally on a plate. Like if I broke my legs tomorrow and I couldn't work, uh, the government would just feed me. But where I come from in India, when you go there, you see people there with literally begging with no legs, like on trays with makeshift wheels underneath and stuff like that and it's like we're so lucky that um but if you're in a country where you know for whatever reason you can't make the money then 
you're screwed pretty much, aren't you? Your family's screwed as well. Yeah, there's really not much you could do exactly. Um, and that's that's how the same way in the, in the States. I think you guys have it a little bit better than us even when it comes to like the government taking care of you. Um, in the States, yes, it kind of does, but at the same time, not really. Like you could live in poverty easily in the, in the States. Yeah. <clears throat> we have a lot yeah. of homeless people. Yeah. I think probably the most homeless people you know out of all the developed countries we have the highest number of homeless people the highest number we have a lot of problems in the states you know mm. but still in comparison to other places um like i'd rather be poor in the u.s than poor anywhere else in the world for sure you know yeah 100 percent. and um yeah like when i went to i went to california and mm-hmm. uh, i went to san francisco mm-hmm. and my god it's just it's just terrible to see so many people and I have one of my best friends is in living in New York. And uh, yeah. he says to me, Monsuri, it's so sad. I see these people and a lot of people are actually, they are, they are just gone homeless. So you see people who are homeless in suits and stuff like that. And you think, I don't know if, if you, if you had that in your town, but. Oh yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. In Chicago, it's a little bit different. In Chicago, it's more of like uh, people have been homeless for a while but in the on the west coast like in seattle portland or um san francisco la like all the west coast cities it's even way worse it's like like people in their 30s like young people who have like Mm. degrees from college are homeless yeah you know um it's definitely an actual problem and then because there's so much inequality as far as um how much people earn and then how much rent is on the west coast between seattle all the way down to la we we have the highest rent costs you know you're talking Mm. about like a studio apartment in some cities on the west coast like three thousand dollars a month and people can't afford that yeah um, except for people who work for like large it's almost like a Mm. um a huge discrepancy between how much people earn and how much people spend in chicago there are a lot of homeless people in chicago but it's more of people who kind of been homeless for a while you know and it's sad to see in chicago too but it's way worse on the West Coast than it is in Chicago. It is, yeah. And especially the young people. And you just think, yeah. you know, what's actually happened there? And I I guess, you know, I think that I don't know completely, but I think I could take an educated guess and say that some of those people are homeless because, you know, their income has been turned off. They've mm-hmm. been kicked out of their job. They don't have any savings. They've still got their monthly bills coming up. They don't have family they can go to, or maybe the family is struggling anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, um, they've already got their monthly payments because they're they're essentially trying to keep up with the joneses and trying to show look i have this iphone and i have that and this and that mm-hmm. and it's like <laughs> then when the money tap is turned off they'd basically just go bankrupt isn't it and it, it is sad but just by listening to this podcast you are you are way 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 more likely not to become homeless and, yeah. and to grow your wealth sustainably over time Absolutely. I think that we yeah. can sort of recap a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly how we want to be growing wealth over time. So the basic is there. Don't spend more than what you earn. Save and invest mm-hmm. the difference and invest it into something that grows with inflation. We've already mm-hmm. talked about inflation and how it, you know, how a pound today or a dollar today isn't doesn't have the same buy, buying power in mm-hmm. 10 years time. Do you have anything to add to that? Any other points maybe I've missed? Yeah, uh, do do your own homework, do your own math. Don't let anybody else, example, you know, 
um, your own system, create your own formula, um, establish your own way, your own reasoning, your own logic when it comes、mm. to growing wealth over time. Like have it proprietary to yourself. Like you own your own ways, your own methods, and、yeah. you can do this on your own. You can learn how to do this. You don't need to be a financial expert, but you can learn、yeah. the basics on your own. You could take out a piece of paper, do the math. You know, you know, ten、mm. percent、uh, return every year. And kind of get in the habit. The most successful people I know are people who, you know, they have formulas for certain things when it comes to buying real estate, when it comes to investing、yep. in businesses. They have their own ways, their own methods that belong to them that they created on their own through experience and education.、Exactly. And then so do the same thing for yourself. Yeah, I think you cut out a little bit there, but I I understand. I think I understood、yeah. basically what you're saying is you know get educated yourself. Yeah, yeah. Make the decision for yourself. It's not that hard and. Like I say, the average person can do this. Uh huh. Exactly. Anyone can do this. It's it's really not that hard. And don't come to me and be like, oh, but Monsui, I didn't like maths in high school or primary school or, or whatever. You know, when I was ten years old, I didn't like maths. So now, ten, twenty years later, I still don't like maths. It's literally as basic as one plus one. It's literally just like, look, you got a grand. You just you've got calculator anyway. Um, but I think that basically just about wraps it up. I just wanted to ask you a couple more questions、uh, as a the first guest on my podcast.、Mm-hmm. Is I just wanted to ask you what is the you are、um, you seem very well educated and、um, for any of the podcast listeners of my podcast, I think you should go and check this guy out.、Um, he has the podcast Thinking Like a Bank. It's on iTunes and. YouTube and everywhere he's been on, literally like loads of interviews as well with loads of other people, very successful people.、Uh, I wanted to ask you, what is the best piece of advice you remember receiving? Um, so the the best advice I received was the name of our show. You know, thinking like a bank. So remember to always think like a bank. Like imagine you're a bank, you're literally a bank. Um, and you are managing people's money. People are depositing money with you, borrowing from you.、Uh, there's different principles that come into play. It's not just what you think it is. You know, just a, a bank with a lot of money. Typically, banks leverage other people's money. You go to a bank to borrow a hundred thousand at you know ten percent interest. They'll go and buy it from somebody else at five percent interest, and then sell it to you at a, at a higher price tag. You know, so think like a bank in the, in the sense that you don't need to. Um, own everything. You can control a lot of things that you need to. You don't need to own everything. You can leverage other people, other time, other people's time,、um, and just by knowing these principles. So、um, apply these strategies. Think like a bank. Learn about how banks use. You could you could check out our podcast, Thinking Like a Bank, to learn more about these principles and strategies. And yeah, and the last last question I have for you is just where can people. Find if they want to find out more about you. Do you have a you know we can find your podcast anywhere else where we can follow you? For you know iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Yeah, so you could、um, you could find me、um, on all the podcast platforms, Thinking Like a Bank. Also on LinkedIn, Sarah Ibrahim, and then also on our website, FinAssetProtection.com. F-I-N AssetProtection.com, and then the link from there takes you to LinkedIn to all the other podcast platforms. You can listen to the podcast on our website. You can download a free ebook, and you can also reach out to me to schedule a free consultation. Wow! Look at that! Look at all that value, and I'm going to put all of that in the show notes as well. Okay, thank you for for anyone there. And I think、um, I think that about wraps it up. So, is anything、okay. else you want to say? Or no, no, Manish, thank you so much for having me on. I look forward to being back on your show.、Uh, thank you again, and、uh, thanks for having me on.
All right. Thank, thanks for coming on my show, mate. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you soon as well. Thank you thanks. to everyone out there listening. And I hope you found some value out of this. Don't forget to share this if you found it useful to anyone who you think, uh, you know, could deal with a bit of advice on this. And um, yeah, go have a look into Sari's stuff. It's really useful, actually. I'm going to, I've added it to my research list to keep looking and I've added his podcast as well to my stuff. So Thank you very much. And I hope to catch you on the next episode. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.